Chapter 3 I sat in front of my phone and stared at Daleen Curtis's number every evening, but I couldn't bring myself to call. I wasn't confident and good-looking enough for this perfect specimen of femininity. I mean, what was I going to do on a date with her? I remember meeting a girl named Elisa for lunch at a summer job when I was 17. I was so nervous, I couldn't stop my hands from shaking or my voice from quavering. And the more awkward I became, the more uncomfortable she grew. By the time the food arrived, I was too self-conscious even to chew in front of her. It was a disaster, and it wasn't even a date. So what hope did I have with the Playmate of the Year? There's a word for this. Unworthiness. I felt unworthy. So I waited three days to call, then put it off to the next day, and then decided that calling on the weekend would sound like I had no social life. So I figured I'd call her on Monday, and by then a week had passed. She'd probably forgotten about me. We'd talked for ten minutes at most, and it had been, admittedly, a soft close. I was just some weird, interesting guy she had met in an office supply store. There was no reason this woman, who could have her choice of any man in the hemisphere, would want to see me again. So I never called. I was my own worst enemy. My first legitimate success didn't come until the week later, when I was eating a burrito at La Salsa with Extra Mask. At a table nearby, there was an attractive but slightly unkempt woman stuffing receipts into a bulging filofax. She had long, curly brown hair, tiny ferret-like features, and immense breasts that refused to be concealed by her sweatshirt. I broke the three-second rule by about 250 seconds, but finally worked up the confidence to approach. I didn't want to look like an AFC in front of Extra Mask. I've been taking a course in handwriting analysis, I told her. While we're waiting for our food, do you mind if I practice on you? She looked at me skeptically, but then decided I was harmless and consented. I handed her my notebook and told her to write a sentence in it. Interesting, I said. Your handwriting has no slant. It's straight up and down, which means you're a self-sufficient person and don't always need to be around others to feel good about yourself. With each tidbit I told her, she leaned in closer and nodded in agreement. She had a wonderful smile and was easy to talk to. She'd just finished a comedy class nearby, she said, and offered to read me some jokes from her notebook. I opened my shows with this one, she said after my analysis. I just got back from the gym and boy are my arms tired. This was her opener. She had it on a cheat sheet that she kept in her back pocket. Picking up women, I realized, was a lot like stand-up comedy or any other performing art. They require openers, routines, and a memorable close, plus the ability to make it all seem new every time. She said she was spending the night at a hotel in town, so I offered to drive her there. As I dropped her off, I pointed to my cheek and said, Kiss goodbye. She kissed my cheek. Extra mask kicked the back of my seat excitedly. Then I told her I had work to do, but that I'd call her for a drink when I was finished. Before leaving to pick her up later that night, I printed out one of the forbidden Ross Jeffries patterns Grimble had emailed me. I was determined to make up for my recent mistakes. We went to a dive bar and had a drink. She had changed into a frayed blue sweater and saggy jeans, 
which made her look somewhat dumpy. Nonetheless, I was happy to be on an actual date with a woman I'd picked up. Finally, I had an opportunity to experiment with more advanced material. There's a way, I told her, that you can bring better focus to your goals in your life. I felt like Rimble in TGI Fridays. What's that? she asked. It's a visualization exercise. A friend taught it to me. I don't know it by heart, but I can read it to you. She wanted to hear it. Good, I said, as I unfolded the paper with a pattern on it and began reading. Maybe you can try to remember the last time you felt happiness or pleasure. As you feel it now, where in your body are those feelings? She pointed to the center of her chest. Okay, now, as you focus in on this feeling right here, notice that you can begin now to see a color flowing from this feeling. What's that color? Purple, she said, as she closed her eyes. As I read the pattern, her body began to relax. I could see her chest rise and fall through her blue sweatshirt. I was doing it now, evoking a response like the one I had seen Ross Jeffries get at California Pizza Kitchen. I continued with the pattern more confidently, making the color expand and grow in intensity inside her as she fell deeper into trance. I imagined two-timer mouthing the word evil in the background. I had her shrink all that color to a tiny purple pea that contained all the power and intensity of the pleasure she was feeling. I had her place the imaginary pea in my hand. Then I traced my hand all along her body, first at a distance and then lightly touching it. To be honest, I had no idea whether this was turning her on or not. She didn't start sucking my fingers like the girl in Grimble's story. In fact, I felt not only a little stupid, but also lecherous using the pretext of hypnosis to touch her. I didn't like these forbidden patterns. I got into the game to learn confidence, not mind control. I folded the piece of paper, put it in my pocket, and drove her back to her hotel. But instead of dropping her off, I pulled into the garage. We climbed out of the car and I followed her to her room. I was too scared to say a word, afraid she might suddenly turn on me and ask, why are you following me? But she seemed to have mentally consented. It looked like we we're going to have sex tonight. I couldn't believe my luck. After all that practice, I was finally getting results. According to Mystery, it takes roughly seven hours for a woman to be comfortably led from meat to sex. These seven hours can take place all in one night or over several days, approaching and talking for an hour, speaking on the phone for an hour, meeting for drinks for two hours, talking on the phone for another half hour, and then on the next meeting, hanging out for two more hours before going to bed together. Waiting seven hours or more is what mystery calls solid game. But occasionally, a woman either goes out with the specific intention of taking someone home or can easily be led to sex in a shorter amount of time. Mystery calls this fool's mate. I had spent an hour with this girl at La Salsa and two hours at the bar. I was about to experience my first fool's mate. She put the card key in the lock of her room and the green light appeared, an omen I felt of the night of passion to come. She opened the door and I followed her inside. She sat on the foot of the bed, just like in the movies, and pulled her shoes off. First the left, then the right. She was wearing white socks, which I found rather endearing, 
she flexed the toes of both feet upward, then curled them downward as she collapsed backward on the bed. I took a step toward her, prepared to fall on her in an embrace. But suddenly, the foulest smell I have ever encountered assailed my nostrils. It literally pushed me backward. It was the exact rancid cheese smell that homeless alcoholics on New York subways have, the kind that clears the whole subway car. No matter how many steps back I took, the intensity of the smell did not diminish. It filled the entire room, every available space. I looked at her, lying back on the bed, wanton, oblivious. It was her feet. Her feet were stinking up the room. I had to get out of there.